During his time in Midian, Moses met and married Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, priest of Midian. Many years later, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Thank you so much. Let's give a big welcome to everybody joining us from our other Kingsgate centres. Wow, we're already well into July. I don't know how the summer's looking like for you thus far. Uh, What are you looking forward to for the rest of the summer? Anyone got holidays coming up? (laughs) Anyone looking forward to great English barbecue weather? How many of you like me are looking forward to us beating the Aussies at Ashes Cricket? I mean... I didn't get a universal amen there, but I think it's nothing like beating, beating the Aussies at cricket. But seriously, what I'm really excited about this summer, as we enter this series on Moses encountering the living God, is that we individually and together will see an increase of both everyday and extraordinary encounters with the living God. Anyone else excited about that? More than Ashes Cricket? More than good weather. Because I, I really, as we've been preparing this series, this, this is the burden. That this summer, we're not just going to be looking at great life lessons from the 
uh, this epic story of Moses. But we're going to look at the central theme. And, and we're not just going to hear it. We're going to enter into a new season uh, of suddenlies and meeting with God that will change our lives and will make a difference in the lives of people around us. Can I have a big amen wherever you're gathered? Let's believe for that together. So, I don't know about you, but I've had a number of, not hundreds, but a number of what I call extraordinary encounters with the living God. First one really that, that I had was actually when I was not a Christian. Many of you have heard my story. I was in a church in Oxford as a student and suddenly in the worship, a little bit like we often experience in our gatherings, but I'd never experienced this before. I sensed the presence of God come all over me. And I knew, for, for really for the first time, that the God I knew about here was real and was calling me. And as a result of that first encounter, it followed up with me responding to that uh, about seven, eight months later when I invited Jesus to come into my life. And it was like that then totally changed my life. I experienced the presence of God cleansing me, washing me, filling me with his peace. I knew my sins were forgiven. I was a child of God. I had a new hope, a new future. Oh, happy day. <laughs> and then since then... I had a number of other extraordinary encounters. About 18 months later, I was filled with the Spirit. That was one of those extraordinary encounters. For me, being baptized in water was an extraordinary encounter. As I look back, I've had a number of those key moments. As I look back, they were defining moments. I was going one direction and they set me in another course. Those kind of extraordinary encounters changed my life and some of that has impacted our journey together as a church. But I don't know about you, but I've also had many more what I call everyday encounters with the Lord. Maybe less spectacular, but nonetheless as, uh, just as precious. Because how many know that we don't have to wait for just big, extraordinary encounters? Because now God has sent Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can walk day by day with the living God. I mean, when, many times when I'm in worship, just suddenly, sudden sense of the presence of God. I may wake up on a morning and just aware of God reaffirming his love to me. Or I'm, I'm going through my daily devotions and suddenly a verse leaps out at me. I may be having a celebratory meal with, with Karen or my family or with friends and just suddenly overwhelmed with the glory of God. Or maybe just walking through creation. Anyone had that? And you're just like, wow. God suddenly draws near. It may just be in day-to-day -day life and, you know, involved in a leadership meeting and just sudden sense of the presence of God. And what, what I'm in faith for this summer is that you and I are going to position ourselves for an increase of everyday encounters. And as we do so, we can be expectant that God is going to break through in extraordinary ways in life-defining uh, moments that are going to change the course of our lives. Can I have a big amen for that, please? So... With that in mind, we're going to look at not just an extraordinary, but one of the epic encounters in the Bible that we just heard about. It's the story of the burning bush. It not only changed Moses' life, but it actually changed the whole direction of biblical and human history. And the three key elements there in that encounter, there's a revelation of God's presence. Can we say presence? presence. Then God reveals his purpose. Say purpose. And then God follows it up with his promise. Can we say promise? So we've got presence, purpose, and promise. First, any encounter that we have with the living God, be it of the extraordinary or the everyday kind, is going to be about a revelation of his 
presence. Now when we talk about the presence of God, let's just be clear theologically that God is omnipresent. What that simply means is because he's God and he's spirit, he's present everywhere. So when we're talking about experiencing God's presence, we acknowledge that he's always present, but what we're really uh, focusing on here is the idea that God from time to time actually manifests his presence. So we have his omnipresence and his manifest presence. I love the fact that God is present everywhere, but I also love the fact that he manifests his presence to me in particular times and in particular ways. And this is what's going on with Moses. And sometimes, have you noticed that we encounter the manifest presence of God when we're really expecting and we've pressed in, but there's other times uh, where we experience God's presence in this way when we're least expecting it. Have you had that? You're not really aware you're particularly seeking God, but God in his mercy shows up. And this is what's happening here with Moses. Moses is not expecting a God encounter in this moment. Can I say that? If we track back to last week um, in Exodus 2, we see that as a result of him taking um, matters into his own hands. He's had to flee from Egypt and he's been 40 years on the backside of a desert um, tending his father-in-law's sheep. And so this was a day, just like any other day, Moses would have got up, just his, all that was on his mind was probably tending the sheep. But because he had strayed <clears throat> with the sheep to what was Sinai or Mount Horeb that Moses at the time didn't know was the mountain of God, but later uh, we know it was the mountain of God, he comes to the place where God particularly was going to reveal himself. And in that moment, Moses sees something. <clears throat> now, in that culture, in the hot, arid desert, it would have not been totally unusual for um, a bush to suddenly combust, to suddenly come on fire. What was different about this, there's one bush, it's burning, and it keeps on burning, and it doesn't burn up. And what's going on here? It's God himself beginning to reveal himself in fire, and it's quite clear that it's God, because it, it says there that the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. Do you know who the, the, the angel of the Lord is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we have a revelation of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ to this guy on a backside of a desert, breaking in, about to change his life forever. But here's, here's the point I want to make. This was not a massive sign. This was a little bush that keeps on burning. It wasn't at this time thunder and fire and smoke on a mighty mountain and God saying, hey, this is me, I'm God. Have you noticed in our own lives, very often, God's trying to get our attention, but he doesn't shout about it. And so this has been a game-changing verse for me over the last couple of years. In the NIV, it has the idea that Moses turned to look. But what it says in the ESV that I really like, it says that Moses saw the sight and he turned aside. Can we say that? Turned aside. <clears throat> Let, let me read to you. So Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called to him out of the bush. The point is, God took the initiative, there's a sign, but Moses had to turn aside before God fully revealed himself to him. About two and a half years ago, I started Skyping with a spiritual director. 
And one of the things he started realizing was that I was pretty strong in what I call set-aside times of the Lord. I mean, ever since I've been a Christian, I've been pretty disciplined every day, meeting with him, and even during the day, spending time with the Lord. But he also realized that I have a kind of a, a, a looking-ahead rather activist tendency to always want to be on the next, uh, onto the next thing. And he says, if, if you live like that, you're going to miss some of the God moments. And he took me to this passage, and he says, look at this. God didn't reveal himself <clears throat> until Moses turned aside. And he said three things to me that I want to pass on, three pieces of advice. How many want to see an increase of the presence of God, encounter God in your daily life? Let's start with the everyday encounters. He said, number one, be present in the moment. You see, if I'm always thinking about what's next, I'm going to miss the present moment when God wants to meet me. Then secondly, he said, walk slowly. So even in the natural, I like walking a lot. I walk quite fast. I uh, took... Uh, Karen's mother uh, on a walk a while, a while back, and she thought it was going to be a nice, gentle stroll, and she described it as a route march. <laughs> and so even, even nat naturally sometimes, particularly if I'm in creation, I'm learning to walk slowly because I'm learning that the God of creation is, is, is omnipresent, but there's times when he wants just to manifest himself. But if I'm so, going so fast, I'm going to miss things. If I'm closed my ear, I'm not going to hear the sound of the birds. If I'm, if I'm going too fast, I'm not going to see the beautiful flowers. I, I'm, I'm going to miss moments. So he says, be present in the moment. You're not going to meet God out there. You're going to meet him right now. Walk slowly. But for me, it's not just, and I think, believe for many of us, it's not just a physical slowdown. How many know that we can be um, inwardly just racing? How many have a bit too much noise going on between your ears right now? Well, maybe not right now because you're listening to me. But in your life, we're busy, don't we? There's just too much going on. And I believe there's a sense of if we want these turn-aside-gone moments, we've got to slow down on the inside because God is present all the time, but I can miss him if I'm in a hurry, either inside or on the outside. And then the third thing he said was, so he said, walk slowly. So be present in the moment, walk slowly, and bow often. In other words, live your life with a greater sense of reverence. Why? Because if God is present and he's come to be in our life, then let's live with a, a reverence because God is present all the time. Amen? Let's be a people who not only have set aside times with the Lord, but live in a posture of turn aside. So as we turn aside, what, what, what is, what's the encounter going to look like? Well, each, each moment can be different because God is a creator God. But I believe there are two key things that we can expect and encounter that we see here. A revelation of God's love and a revelation of his holiness. Because do you know what? God is both loving and he is holy. It's the mixture of intimacy with God and awe in the presence of God. Let, let me just talk briefly about the love of God. You see, last time Moses had an encounter, well, in fact, he's probably never had a real encounter with God. He had a stirring 40 years ago. So I love the way God comes to him and addresses him. He actually calls him by name. Do you know God knows you by name? He loves you. He created you. But he actually comes and he says his name twice. He says, Moses, Moses. 
Now, apparently, in, in the culture there, if you were to address somebody by their name twice, it was an immediate sign of affection and tenderness. In other words, you're coming in a friendly, loving manner to somebody. He's not just saying Moses. He's saying Moses, Moses. I love the fact that as I meet with God, the primary way that I encounter God is I'm aware. He's a good, good father who loves me. I am his beloved. And if there's nothing else that's happening in an encounter, God just wants to reaffirm his love for me. And he wants to do the same for you day after day after day. In little moments and great moments, sometimes you can just have a, you know, just as, as I did with my girls when we were bringing them up, I just sometimes just respond and say, do you know I love you so much? I'm so proud of you. Give them a big hug. Not anything dramatic, but you know, we hear that day after day after day, it begins to change the course of our life. Aren't you glad that we've got a good, good father? He comes to us in his love, but he also comes to us in his holiness. Notice how God reveals himself. He reveals himself in fire, fire throughout the Bible, and it's present in, uh, a lot in the book of Exodus. It, fire is a representation. It's like a physical manifestation of the presence of God. And particularly, it's like the idea of the holy, all-consuming fire of God's presence. Hence God, and you've got to remember, Moses was in a different covenant to us. Jesus hadn't yet come, shed his blood, and didn't, so Moses had a, a different right of access than we do. But nonetheless, even though we have the right of privilege different in the New Testament, God hasn't ceased to be holy. Can I have an amen, please? So hence he says, you're on holy ground, take off the, uh, the, your sandals as a, as, a, as a kind of a sign that this is holy ground. I've just been meditating and mulling on that little phrase, holy ground. And while we're not into sort of religious, you know, there are only certain places and you have to go to a mountain because we live in the New Testament, you can meet with God on your bed, you can meet with God at work all the time. I do believe there's a sense that we need to cultivate an increase of reverence in our lives. Amen? Reverence when you come together in a life group. Re reverence when you're praying together. Reverence as we do when we come together to gather before the presence of the Lord. And I think it's important because if, if we only emphasize the love of God and the intimacy, which for me is totally foundational, we can almost treat God a bit like a sort of a, a holy vending machine. You know, as, as, as I once heard <clears throat> years ago, you know, we can be a bit like the Scotsman who was always praying, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. <laughs> it would be a lot better in David Robertson's mouth than mine. <laughs> but we're always like, you know, God... The, the kind of idea that God's like some, you know, domestic servant who's here to do our will. No, he is God Almighty. Amen. And we are to surrender our will to his will. He's loving, yes, but he's awesome and he's holy. So how many of you would like to see an increase of encounters with this loving and holy God this summer? Both of the everyday uh, kind, but also I believe as we position ourselves day by day, Sometimes God in his sovereignty will say, right, and I'm going to show up in an extraordinary way too. We can look at Moses and think, wow, yeah, but that was, that was Moses. Can I say, you and I are in a better position to encounter God than Moses was. 
because we live in the New Testament, if you like, we don't just have to encounter God with external signs. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, the glory of God is in us. Now, if you like, the burning bush is living on the inside of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's be ready to turn aside and meet with God more than ever. So that's the first thing. It's central to the encounter, and that's really the burden of this message of this whole summer, is let's turn aside to encounter his presence. But sometimes, particularly in an extraordinary encounter like this one, God comes not just to reveal his presence to us, but he comes to either um, affirm or reaffirm his purpose in our lives. Can we say his presence? His purpose. And this is what's happening in this story. You see, this was not the first time that Moses had a stirring that God has a purpose for his life. Forty years ago... I believe there was a genuine sense of a stirring of the destiny he had to be a deliverer. The problem was he tried to do God's work, which was to rescue the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites from Egypt, but he, he, Moses did God's work Moses' way, and he got in a mess. But this time, God is coming back to him a second time. How many of you ever um, tried to do something that you thought was uh, God and you messed up? Okay, I've got a very holy congregation here. Absolutely incredible. The other centers, you, you, I don't know you're as holy as this, but hardly any hands went up. But so, seriously, we can mess up, can't we? We can, we can do things. Uh, you see, it's not that Moses sinned. He, he didn't commit adultery. He tried to do what he thought was right, but he did it in the way of the flesh, in his own strength, if you like, in his confidence rather than in the power of God. And he messed up. But, and some of you may be sitting here thinking, I tried that. I tried to fulfill the purpose of God. I tried to step out in my workplace. I tried to be a witness. I tried to do something in leadership in the church. I got my fingers burnt, never going there again. I'm finished. No, you're not, because we have a God who comes back again. Amen. He's a gracious God. He is holy, but he's merciful. And he knows that we're human. He knows we have a tendency to go our way than his way. So he comes to Moses a second time. This, in Moses' case, it's 40 years later. And now the God of the second chance says, yeah, I know 40, this is me paraphrasing. I know 40 years ago you had a burden and you were concerned about the people. Verse 7, he says, and the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out because they're slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. In other words, he's saying, Moses, you're concerned about the freedom of your people. Hey, if you're concerned, I'm even more concerned and your concern actually comes from me in the first place. I think sometimes we can think, can't we, particularly maybe in situations where you know, there's, there's a cultural backdrop, maybe there's resistance to the gospel in, in family circles, in the work, or even sometimes nationally we can think, as we heard last week, you know, is anything going on? Is God distant and absent? No, I want to tell you, there is activity going on. God hears the cries of his people. Amen. He hears our prayers and I believe he hears the groans of the people who are not in spiritual bondage. Part of my conviction is that God is fixing to do something sovereign again in our nation. He hears the cries. But he says, last time you tried to do it, Moses, in your own strength, I love it, verse 8 says, but this time I've come down 
to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and bring them into a good and a spacious land. And it's like, okay, Moses, you did it your way. I'm going to come down. And Moses probably hopes, well, I hope that's the end of the conversation. But it's not the end of the conversation because this was the bit that was a bit of a shocker to Moses. So God says, so now go. Who's he addressing there? Could I add in that this supposed to be a you? <laughs> I thought you said you were going to do it, God. So now you go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so what was it? Moses saying, hold on, I tried it last time. Have you come down or are you doing it? And here he's introducing a principle that runs right through to our day, which is we don't do it in our strength. We don't just wait for God to do it. We are in partnership with Almighty God to see his purposes established on the earth. And I believe very often, you see, we know this, don't we? But in my experience, a personal encounter with God of the extraordinary kind gives me a strength and a fortitude and a faith and a confidence to keep going sometimes when circumstances seem to conflict with the purpose of God. One of the most significant recent encounters I had was back in April. I was away at a conference in the US and it was the last night of worship I was just enjoying the presence of God, wasn't thinking about purpose at all. Certainly not what the Lord began to speak to me on. And in worship, I suddenly had a picture of the, the British Isles in complete darkness. And then I saw lights begin to pop on all over the nation. And I saw almost like in that sort of, almost like one of those electricity grid adverts, like the, 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 Population centers all, all joined up. And I knew that I, it wasn't, God didn't say anything verbally, but that picture for me, because we'd had a similar thing, over the years we've had this growing sense that part of our call together as a church is not just to impact our local places, our neighborhoods, but we are called to play our part to see the UK come back to God. Amen. And part of that has begun to unfold. But it was in that moment, and it wasn't... I. I sometimes we get pictures and we just have to say, is that you, Lord? And we have to check it out. But sometimes God just makes it unmistakably clear. And as I was looking at that, not only did I sense a weighty presence of God, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't just my imagination. But as I was looking, for some reason I thought, oh, and this goes all the way up to Scotland. Don't know why, just for some reason Scotland popped into my mind. So we, we finished the, the conference, went out, and Paul Reed, his good friend, introduced me to somebody who's a church leader in Aberdeen. Now, if any of you don't know where Aberdeen is, it's in the northeast of Scotland. So here he starts, this guy, never met him. He, he starts introducing himself, church, amazing leader, church of about 1,000 in Aberdeen, fantastic. And he starts saying, oh, thank you so much for what you're doing through the learning communities. I said, oh, you're on the learning communities, fantastic. Just how much they're being helped by what we are able to to partner together in, in, in doing through that. And then he said, um, a few years ago, we, we came to a conference in your building in Peterborough, and he said, we were trying to believe God for a building. We didn't have faith for a big building. And so I got my team uh, at the end of a session to come up on the platform and dream what could God do in Aberdeen. And right now, they're pursuing a mega building in Aberdeen. And I just thought, isn't God good? He gave me the word, but he also gave a confirming sign. You see, these things are real. 
Now, I say that because that's something for all of us. We do this together, but we all have our own individual part to play. God may speak to you, and I really pray that he does, about a particular assignment. Maybe your assignment right now is a family assignment or a neighborhood assignment or a work assignment. And God says, I'm concerned about the suffering of the people, and I'm fixing to do something because I want to bring them out of spiritual bondage to Pharaoh, and I want to bring them into a good and a spacious land. So we have his promise Sorry, we have his purpose, we have his presence. But the the, the question is, when we get the call, sometimes it can seem huge and we can feel inadequate. Anyone else sometimes feel inadequate when God speaks? And this is what Moses, his response wasn't, I'm your man, Lord. (laughs) Do you know what he says? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here, I'm reading into this, I think you may have been thinking, I tried that 40 years ago, and look the mess it got me in. And here I believe it's so important, you see, we have the possibility of either missing the will of God through overconfidence and going into that dip, so that's what he did 40 years ago. He tried to do it his way. But I think for many of us as God's people, we can actually slip into the other ditch of underconfidence or a lack of confidence, said, who am I? And God wants to, if you like, teach us to drive right through the, the highway of a genuine God confidence. And how does he do that? Number three, he comes to bring his promise to Moses and he wants to bring his promise to us too. No, you can't do it in your own strength. No, on your own you can't do it. But here's the promise. Listen to this. God said, I will be with you. He's not giving him a strategy. That can come later. He's not giving him a plan. He's giving a promise of his presence. Do you think Moses would like the five-point plan at this point? God just says, it's all going to be okay because I'm going with you. This is the promise of all promises, not just to Moses. Do you know, we have that promise today. Reminds me of a, a New Testament story when one greater than Moses has been raised from the dead and he's appearing to his disciples on another mountain, this time in Galilee. He reveals his presence and then he gives them his purpose. It's what we know as the Great Commission go into all the world make disciples of all nations. Then he finishes the whole thing and Matthew finishes his gospel with these words. And surely, can we say this together? Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Does that apply to us today? So think, praise God. This is not just a, this is not, uh, uh, about a Sunday morning encounter. This is, a, this is a Sunday message that you might go into your, your Monday through Saturday knowing that you have the presence of God with you to fulfill the purpose of God on your life. There's not enough for Moses. <laughs> At least he's honest. You know, you can have a conversation with God. And so he says, um, yeah, okay, but when I go to the Israelites and say, you said I'm with you, What's your name? And there's, who are you? What, what, what God are you? And then in one of the defining moments in biblical history, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And as if to underline the significance of this, he says, this is my name forever. In the abbreviation of I am who I am, we get the con- consonants Y-H-H. W-H, from which we get the word 
Yahweh. And all through the book of Genesis, God's primarily revealed himself to the patriarchs as Elohim, the El God, the creator God. But here he's saying, you want to know who's going with you? I am the all-sufficient God. I'm the God of my people. I am who I am. One way of translating it is this. I will be what I will be. This is the one I love. I will be who you need me to be when you need me to be it. There's Moses. Do you think you've got the resources? Whatever you need, I am all you need. As I look back over the last 35 years of my Christian life and our journey as a church, haven't always got it right, but one thing I can say, God is sufficient. He is the I am, your righteousness. He is the I am, your holiness. He is the I am, your peace. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our banner. He's our shepherd. He's our victory. He is our all-sufficient God. And he wants to go with us wherever we go. So don't let's fall into the ditch of overconfidence. But let's not fall into the ditch of underconfidence. Let's take a decision day by day that we're not going to go our way, we're going to go his way. Or in this simple little signpost, I believe we have choices day by day and sometimes at defining moments in our lives. Which way do you want to go? My way? Pardon the pun, but you'll remember it, Yahweh. When you get up in the morning, the silly stuff going on your head, say, no, I reject my, my way. I embrace the will of Yahweh. Am I going to watch the news and skip my devotions? No, I need the presence of God. I'm going to go Yahweh rather than my way. Am I going to be angry at that situation and work and react? No, I'm going to go Yahweh, not my way. And day by day, season by season, we can position ourselves for an increase of encounters with the living God. Yes, let's have set aside times, but let's also be like Moses, posture ourselves with a turn aside attitude. Let's be present every moment. Let's walk slowly. Let's bow often and watch what God's gonna do. Let's pray together. Father, we, we worship you. You are Yahweh, our all-sufficient God. Even now, we wanna ask you to forgive us where we've done things our way. We make a choice to open up our lives, whether this is for the first time or for many of us, a reminder and a repositioning we want to follow your way. You are an all-sufficient, loving, and holy God. May this day and this season be a season of increasing encounters with you, the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.